Is there not an entire section on this subject? Yes, that's unfair. I may have, I may have changed my mind about me. Is, is, your, is your book for sale about it? Yes, I'm not sure. I just go and try and do a better job. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Say it like you mean it. This is my vibe. Yo, Trey. What up? I got something to say. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Let Me Tell You, episode 96. I'm your host, The Evangelical Norm. So we are entering into, it is Monday the 18th of January, so uh, happy Martin Luther King Day. Uh, we are beginning the, the week of Joe Biden's inauguration. Uh, things are ramping up to have this ceremony Wednesday morning, Wednesday at noon, I think it is, which puts it morning here and where I'm at. Um, and it, I mean, no matter what the, the, the crazy false prophets of the Trump cult tell you, um, if you want to know what I think about them, go check out, uh, the last episode of the master's dog or two episodes ago of the master's dog episode, uh, 85 of the master's dog. You can find out. I, I did a whole breakdown of, of the false prophets who are continuing even today to uh, to prophesy that, that Donald Trump is still going to be inaugurated, that something is going to happen in the next two days that is going to bring down the, the Biden, the election, everything is over, going to turn everything that, that our government procedural and uh, everything has gone through to get to this point is going to be upheaved and, and overturned and, and thrown out. And uh, they are going to inaugurate Donald Trump on Wednesday. And I'm just not buying that. That's I, I'm amazed at how willing these people are. And I'm, I'm really the, the reason why I'm watching them and I'm watching them so much that it's causing me to have strange dreams myself. And no, I don't think they're prophetic. Ten years ago, I would have. Now I don't. They're just weird dreams brought on by the uh, the mental uh effects of watching these these people who are willing to to continue to make themselves out to be false prophets who have no fear of the word of god who have no fear of god himself that they would literally continue to stand and say god told me this and i'm i'm really waiting to start watching them seeing who's going to flinch because some of them are. And then what I'm really going to be interested in, and I will probably bring you in a couple more episodes of The Master's Dog, is the way they try to backpedal when Wednesday afternoon comes around and none of the things they prophesied have come true. So it's going to be interesting. It, it'll be, you know, but I mean, the week is, is getting started. Biden is, they're making their preparation to inaugurate Joe Biden, and again, I stand by my prediction, not a prophetic uh, word. I'm not claiming to prophet status or anything like that, but I have predicted. I hate the fact that this picture is covering my head, and I don't know that it is. Uh, yeah, so let's see if we can um, shrink that down a little bit, shall we? Live radio, folks, or live podcasting. There we go. Uh, let's just shrink that puppy down and get it off my forehead. Thanks. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. Sorry for those of you who might just be listening to the audio 
Yeah. I, w- I was actually, I thought of, I was going to just do this whole podcast today without putting up pictures or anything like that um, and just talk because and, and there's some serious stuff I want to talk about, but you know, I get into the habit of doing things a certain way. And so I want to have these pictures up. And so um, the other thing that is, that we are looking at is a massive uh, usage of a military force to protect um, vice president or President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris uh, as we prepare. So they are bringing in, I mean, I've heard a bunch of different numbers. I don't know exactly how many troops have been brought into Washington, D.C. I've heard from 10,000 to 25,000. And the other the other thing that I'm hearing that, and, and this is stuff that comes from people that I absolutely love, people that I respect quite a bit. And I'm just like, come on, uh, to quote Joe Biden, come on, man. I mean, so the the meme that has gone around, and I've actually had people come and quote this to me, um, is that, well, if you have to have 10,000 or 25,000 troops to come in and protect you from the people, then that obviously means you weren't elected by the people. Um, I saw somebody say that 80 million people is a majority. Um, we live in a country of 330 million and even if we just say that half of those are adults or a voting age, which would actually be half is 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 really being um, inaccurate in the number. Well over half of that. I would say probably half of that would be what? 165,000 uh, or 165 million people if were half. I would actually say probably at least 200 million, if not more, 220 million of the American people are of voting age. I don't know how many of those are registered to vote at this point, but if we have 220 million people that are of voting age and 80 million people, um, and actually I think it was 70 million people voted for Trump and supposedly 80 million people voted for Biden. So that gives you 150 million. Um, But even in that, 80, 80 million is not a majority of 220 million. 80 million is not a majority of 165 million. So, I mean, I'm hearing all these numbers, but I don't think this election was all on the up and up. I've said this before and I've, I've seen there are, there were uh, inconsistencies and shenanigans that went on in Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, uh, in a bunch of different states Um, And maybe more, but those were ones that Trump won or whatever. But looking at the reality of it, and really, honestly, I mean, I'm watching people make these comments and I'm like, you're not being intellectually honest with yourself. Something went down. Was it enough that it would have overturned? I don't know. I don't know, because none of these things actually got really investigated. We saw we saw hundreds of people giving eyewitness accounts and assigned affidavits and, and so on. And courts were, were turning them away, not willing to hear this stuff. Okay. Again, this is what the frustration was that led up to last week's debacle. And I talked about it last week. If Again, if riots, according to Dr. Martin Luther King, are the voice of the unheard, then 
you have a lot of people like me who feel like we are not being heard when we're saying, please look into these issues with voting in these specific states. And when people are like, there's no evidence. I mean, good friends of mine, good guys that I consider really good friends that keep coming back at me going, well, there's no evidence. Did you not look at it? Did you not see? I mean, the fact of the, the fact that it's not being heard doesn't mean that it's not evidence. Eyewitness people coming in and giving affidavits is evidence that something happened. But the courts and so on are like, no, we're not going to hear it. No, we're not going to hear it. You don't have standing. You don't have this. So, again, I mean, the first, you can hear the frustration in my voice. I do not condone what happened last week. In, in or two weeks ago, what, wow, was it already two weeks ago on the 6th? So, I mean, we're, we're talking 12 days ago. So, almost two weeks ago in Washington. I don't condone it. It was not right. Like, I would not condone any other riot that was given the excuse of being the voice of the unheard. Right? And again, we, we get into the same thing that the, the Eminem mean. Did you not listen to this last round, Meathead? Pay attention. You're saying the same ish that he said. Right. We got people who literally during the BLM riots were saying, oh, no, white people came in and started burning stuff down. But now those same people that I saw that would put in their Facebook and, and their Twitter and stuff like that, that perpetuated this stuff that, well, no, black people didn't start the riots. We don't do that stuff. It was white people that came in and started it. And then it just it became what it was. OK. Well, now on this side, they're saying that Antifa and BLM, which we have people who have been arrested, John Sullivan from Utah, right here where I am, was arrested. He is being part of this group that went in. Now, do I think that, that and, and then MAGA people are like, no, don't give them our, the credit for what we did. And again, I mean, I'm getting way off track, but because of what they did, and it, th- these, these troops are not here because they're trying to protect Biden from the people. They're bringing these troops in because there were a whole bunch of idiots that busted down doors and broke windows and infiltrated the Capitol la- two weeks ago. And so now we, they are doing And it's the same things that happened with the different riots. You know, when BLM first started doing protests and stuff like that, they weren't immediately putting the police out there. To stop, there were, okay, there, there are people, they are upset, they are protesting, but then those protests became violent and turned into riots and looting and so on. And so then when one did that and then two did that, then they start going, okay, we have the expectation that these things are going to turn violent. And again, if you don't, can't look at it and go, yes, as we saw, as riots and protests began to happen, as more and more people, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and all these names continued to pile up of black people who were killed by police officers, and then BLM would come in to protest, the expectation was there. That it would become violent, even to the point that the mayor of Baltimore said, give them room to destroy things because the expectation was there. That's why when BLM came to the Capitol, how, whenever it was that they came in and things became violent, that they had armed military, National Guard people there prepared for it. Because the expectation that it would turn violent was already there. And, and if, you can't, if you can't recognize that, then again, you're being intellectually dishonest. Thing with 
many of the Trump rallies and these Second Amendment protests and people who were protesting lockdowns and stuff like that is they did not turn violent. So again, initially when they showed up and, and there was no expectation of violence and they didn't turn violent. So there was never any expectation of violence. Had they done that, then likely they would have had uh, a presence there when this happened. But these things did not come with the expectation of turning violent. And now they did. This one did. And so now we see what happens when you give somebody the expectation that you are going to be violent. They prepare for violence. And, they, and, and here they have prepared immensely. And understandably so. This is the inauguration of a new president. So yeah, could they have probably got away with 1,500 National Guard? Possibly. 2,000, 3,000. Do they need 10,000 or 25,000? I don't know. There, you know. I mean, of course, if you listen to the president, current president, Mr. Trump, President Trump, there were almost 15 or 10 million people, which there was not in Washington, D.C. on the 6th at this rally. But that would be what he would say. Tens of millions, I've heard that he said. Maybe hundreds of thousands. Maybe they got to a million. But again, if you've got a million people and you have the expectation of violence, you really want to have a large force there to be prepared for that. Could it be overkill? Absolutely. Do I fault them for bringing them in? Not at all. Any more than I did when they brought them in when BLM was coming into the Capitol. No, no more than I, I, when they had uh, National Guard presence in different cities where BLM was ramping up and the expectation of violence and looting and rioting was there. You can get mad at me all you want. It doesn't change the fact that because these things had happened, there became an expectation. Because we never saw in any of the Trump rallies or anything or the Second Amendment uh, things or anything like that, never did we see anything that gave us the expectation that they would turn violent. So we weren't, they, they weren't expecting it. Now they are. Now that, again, as, as Kurt Kennedy had said, they've given up the moral high ground. They can no longer say, well, we don't do these things. Well, obviously, yes, you do. And now we need to be prepared for that. So does the fact that there are 25,000 troops or 10,000 troops or whatever mean that Biden was not elected by the people? No, that doesn't mean that at all. It means that a bunch of moronic Trump MAGA supporters and maybe some Antifa and BLM people that, that for whatever reason became involved in the same situation, there is now an expectation of violence out of that group. Out of the MAGA folks, there's now an expectation of violence. And so now there needs to be a preparation for an expectation of violence, just like there was with BLM and Antifa. And that's, I mean, that's the reality of it. And again, you can at me all you want. You can, you can come, come at it. My comments are all open. You can hit me up at, uh, you know, the evangelical norm on Twitter, or you can hit me up at the evangelical norm on Gab or Facebook norm Dunham, wherever I'm all over the place. I am still on every social media site I can be on until they kick me off. And then I'll be on the ones that will still allow me to be there. 
you know, who knows how long YouTube's going to let me, but my comments are always open and I generally respond. I don't get that many views that I can't not respond to the comments. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty low key. And uh, so you can come at me. I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to defend the position that I've made. But in that, again, we see just how divided we are politically as a country. And, and really, I mean, those divisions, I mean, they're more political, but it, 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 it becomes racial to a point too, especially when now, right now, and I've said this, and I've been saying it for a long time, but I really do think that the, the biggest schism that is going to come in the church is going to be along racial issues. I really think it is, and we're seeing it. You know, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I mean, it is a day set aside to honor the memory of this man who did great things for the advancement of civil rights. And again, you cannot deny that this man did great things and laid down his life. And I shouldn't say laid down his life. His life was taken because of his stance on social or on, on civil rights. Okay, he didn't lay it down. It was taken. All right. He's not a Messiah figure. And I apologize. I, I repent for saying something so similar because I get angry when people use messianic terminology talking about other people, especially right now when they're doing it with Trump. So his Martin Luther King's life was taken because of his stance for civil rights, and he did great things. And here again, today, I have to push back against even one of my own pastors who, who tweeted out something about Martin Luther King earlier today. Here's the reality, and, and here's what, it, what we're seeing, and we've been seeing it for a few years, ever since MLK 50 happened, and, and this has kind of been, you know, the church has really been starting to talk about racial issues and CRT and this and that and, and intersectionality and blah, 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 blah. There are so many people in the church that are raising up the fact that Martin Luther King was not was probably not a saved man, was not a believer, even though he he was Reverend Martin Luther King, the doc, Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King, right, and preached at, at, at the uh, Ebenezer was it Ebenezer? I, I can't even remember the name of the church that he was at, um, the AME Church in. I apologize. But the reality is that, and I think that's the same church that, that Warnock is at, that was just elected uh, to the Congress in Georgia, right? I believe so. So again, I wouldn't even consider Warnock to be a believer based on the, the things that he said and so on. So whether or not Martin Luther King is a believer, right? He was a, a, a man of... of Poor character, poor moral character. Apparently, he had affairs. Um, you know, was was not faithful to his wife. Did not hold to orthodox Christian doctrine, and so on. But again, what does that say? Where was the if if this is the man that God used to bring uh, at least a level of equality? for civil rights, for, for black people in America, which we, we have to admit that he did, then where was the church? Where was the church? If God had to use an unbeliever, a man that 
many would say today was an enemy of the cross because of his liberal uh, theological standpoints and his uh, willingness to sin, whether repentant or not. God had to use this man to bring equality to black people. Where was the church? If, if this is the man that God used, it is a it is a rebuke against the church that God had to use this man because where, again, where was the church? You know, John MacArthur talks about that. He was there in, in some of these situations and marches and stuff like that. Where was his voice? What was he raising his voice? I mean, obviously at this point in time, MacArthur did not have the, the influence and the, the, the sphere of influence that he has today, but did he have one? Did we hear any of that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why God would have to use an unbeliever in, in, except for the fact that the, the church wasn't there to, to do what the church needed to do. Again, you know, I mean, we, we talk about, and, and the tweet was essentially, it takes, you, you can't, being a good speaker is, is pointless without, uh, some, I can't remember what the tweet was, and I'm not going to look it up. But we can say that about many men. I mean, he, yeah, he probably wouldn't, he would not pass, uh, be qualified to be an elder in our church or even a member without repentance. But we could say, probably say the same thing about Jonathan Edwards. Could probably say the same thing about, I mean, we could definitely say the same thing about Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln. You know, men that we are still willing to honor because of the things that they did to give us the freedoms that we have and, and the, you know, the freedoms that, that this country enjoys constitutionally and so on. We can still honor those men, whether or not they were Christian or not. I mean, I'm not elevating the, to Martin Luther King to any level of sainthood or anything like that. But I am willing to go, this man did great things for the advancement of black people in the United States of America and arguably around the world. Because again, as America went, so did so many other places. And it, it took a while. I mean, it, I mean, it took America to, to catch up to where Europe was in the abolition of slavery. I mean, we didn't do it until after they had. But now we see where things are happening that... Those things don't happen until after America has done them, you know, civil rights and stuff like that. And there are still countries where where black people don't uh, have the same rights that that others have. So this guy did some some amazing things and it's okay to honor him. It's okay to give him a day and we don't have to come out and, and just try to lambast the man. Do I wish he was saved? Do I wish he was repentant? Do I wish I could say with confidence that I will see him when I go into heaven? Sure. Do I have any of that confidence? No. Does that change any of the things that he did? No. I mean, do I think we should have a, a great big religious, a Christian thing honoring him? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think, I mean, I'm not not suggesting that we do any special thing in our church for him. No. But when we went at 50 years after 
was it 50 years after his, his assassination, I believe? Was it 2018? Because he was killed in 60... I don't know. I can't remember the timeline. But, you know, at 50 years, is it not okay for people within the church to, to say honoring things about him? It doesn't mean that he is saved. It doesn't mean that he's, you know a Christian, any of those things. It just means he did something that is of note and of worth to give some kind of honor in this country. Right? I mean, I think we still give this man the the proper uh, respect that he is due for the things that he did. And we don't have to immediately, I mean, come President's Day, we don't have people tweeting about how unsaved Abraham Lincoln was come president's day. We don't have people tweeting about how unsaved George Washington or Thomas Jefferson was, you know, we don't have, you know, come the 4th of July, we don't have people tweeting about how unsaved Benjamin Franklin was, but yet Martin Luther King day comes along and suddenly, and, and, and again, it's not just white pastors or any, I mean, Black black Christians and white Christians, uh, the same are are you know coming up and talking about just how not righteous this man is, and I'm like, but you know, he did a lot. He really did a lot. I mean, am I am I gonna quote him in a sermon? Probably not. I mean. I'm not preaching anymore in any, any way or except for outside of an abortion clinic. So, no, I, I wouldn't quote him in a, in a sermon. I wouldn't acknowledge him as, you know, I mean, I mentioned in passing that he is was claimed to be a reverend. He was ordained as a reverend. But would I consider him uh, among the giants of the faith? No. Yeah, I mean, I ha- we have those guys that we look back to and who were, you know, again, giants of the faith, and we stand on the shoulders of those giants. But when I consider him a giant among the civil rights of this nation, absolutely. You know, him, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X. You know, so many of these guys that, that were active... In, in bringing about change in the attitude of this nation for black people. And, and, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure where Medgar stood in his faith. You don't hear a lot about Medgar Evers in his faith. You know, but we know about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. We hear about that a lot. And apparently God had to use a few non-Christians to bring about change in this country for the respect of these image bearers of God that was somehow absent in the church. Am I condemning the church? Am I, am I agreeing with Tabidi Anibwile saying that somehow the church is, is uh, um, complicit in, in no. But should we recognize where we failed? Sure. 
Do I think that I need to repent for any of the things that have happened? No. Personally, no. But can I acknowledge that the church has failed in some of these places? Sure. Does it mean that the church has failed in, in all these situations? Sorry, LGBTQ. Because the church was wrong on race issues at different times does not mean it is wrong about the sin issue of homosexuality. So yeah, Brandon Robinson and, and some of the rest of you, Vicki Beeching and Matthew Vines, you, you can go somewhere else with that stuff. Gay is not the new black. And yeah. But I can't admit there were places where the church in the past has got it wrong has been wrong. And I hope that we have come to a place where we have rectified those wrongs in recognition of of image bearers of God. Do I think there could still be more that potentially we have to do? Possibly. When we see it, again, we, we sit in a place where, you know, we he- I, I hear a lot of the... the the comparison between abortion and civil rights, you know, or racism, you know, why is it that, that I am willing to say preaching the gospel is the solution to racism, but I'm not willing to say that about abortion because I'm out and I'm actively doing something and I'm trying to change laws and I'm trying to do this because we, maybe not all of us, but that was done. In Martin Luther King's days, laws were changed. Does that mean that racism absolutely went away? No. Are there still instances of racism and so on? Sure. But those are pockets of, you know, whether it's industries and stuff like that, banking and and so on, which I've heard, you know, Kirk Kennedy in one of the episodes of of Cross-Examine gave a great example of of how uh, Racist policies and attitudes have continued on in like mortgages and stuff like that. Does that still need to be changed? Could that still be addressed? Absolutely. But for the most part, overall, nationally, laws have been changed. Jim Crow was over, overthrown and laws have been changed to make equality a, a real, uh, equality a reality according to the letter of the law. Is it necessarily a reality based on the execution of the law? No. And that's where I think that preaching the gospel and changing the heart of those people that do not stand in in line with what the law says, their hearts need to be changed. The laws don't need to be changed anymore. I don't know that we can change any. And if you can show me laws that that need to be changed to bring equality, then I'm absolutely willing to look at it. But at this point, we've changed the laws. The Civil Rights Act was passed, and and we have at least put on paper. Now, again, people's hearts are still dark and evil and ugly, and those need to be dealt with, and that happens through the preaching of the gospel. Getting those people changed and changing their hearts, taking that heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh, the regeneration of their spirit and the changing of their minds, that is what the preaching of the gospel has to be done. There are still laws on the books right now. Well, there's laws that say abortion is illegal. And then we've got this, this Roe v. Wade that is not a law, but is making it to where people think they can just go out and murder their babies. 
So those things still have to be changed. And that's why we're still out there actively working against those things along with preaching the gospel. Once we can get Roe v. Wade overturned and we can get abortion criminalized throughout this nation, do I think that's going to absolutely do away with abortion? No. But what do we do at that point? We preach the gospel and we change the hearts of people who would go and have illegal abortions. Just like we preach the gospel to change the hearts of people who would illegally discriminate against people based on their color and their creed and so on. Does that make sense? Do you, do you, do you see? Where I, I hope you can see where I'm coming from on that. I hope you can see where, I, where I'm, I'm making that, that argument. And maybe you don't. Maybe, and, and again, maybe we have to have the, hash this out and I have to do episodes part two and three and four. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at, at uh, Stephen Crowder's table, table. Change my mind. Change my mind. If that's what has to happen, I'm willing to, to hear it. I'm at least willing to look at it. I'm not willing to just shut it down and, and not have the conversation. I mean, I'm doing that right now, and I'm trying to do that right now. And I'm, 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 I'm hitting at 33 minutes on this, and I really wanted to play a bit of, of Martin Luther King's speech. Uh, the famous speech, um, I Have a Dream, and I'm going to. I mean, if we go 40 minutes, we go 40 minutes. But I think it's important that we hear the, the, the man's words because they still, I mean, we still need to hear them. And whether he was saved or not, the, the power behind the words and the, the truth behind the words, his salvation doesn't negate the fact that the words he said here are true. And we still need to hear them and we still need to remember them. And as Christians, we truly need to be praying for a realization because whether legally and by on paper and, and in law if we've eliminated all of the inequality and the racism within the system we have to acknowledge that it's still there and there are still hearts that need to be changed to to, to realize this dream because whether he was christian or not does not mean this speech and the words of this speech do not fall in line with what is biblical and what is true. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity.
But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
Let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi. We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at I have the... So... The dream wasn't unholy because the man was not holy. The dream is not negated because the man was not repentant. The dream is not nullified because the man did not have sound doctrine. We can look at the man's dream and we can line that up with scripture. Whether he was or not. Any more than the constitution is not made invalid because Thomas Jefferson was not a believer. Thomas Jefferson wanted to cut out huge portions of the Bible in, in his revision of the Bible that he created. He cut out huge chunks. Does that negate the, the, the Constitution? Does that negate the things that he has said? No. Do we, on again, on President's Day or the 4th of July, do we come out with tweets about how unholy Thomas Jefferson was? No. We don't have to acknowledge salvation in spite of, I'm saying this backwards. We don't have to forego acknowledging truth in spite of sinful behavior. God used a lot of people throughout scripture and throughout history who were not saved to bring about his purposes. In civil rights, God used, apparently, obviously, people who were not saved, namely two men, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, to bring about change in America for the betterment of image bearers of God. And we should be able to recognize that. Being able to recognize that Martin Luther King did great things as an unsaved man does not make me woke, does not make me down with CRT or BLM or any of those things. It means that I am, a, I am an observant Christian American who is willing to look at the reality and say, this man did some really good stuff.
and is deserving of a day where we give him some respect. I don't want to revere him. I don't want to sugarcoat anything of who he was, but I want to understand the good things that he did for the betterment of people who live in my own house. And for those who don't want to acknowledge that these people are image bearers of God, who still want to carry out an evil heart of racism, then yes, as always, we need to preach the gospel and we need to use words because they're necessary to bring about changes to those evil dark hearts. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.